0: Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church.
1: Welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people find the real life they were created for. That's according to John 1010. And you're invited to join us for the next half hour for a little Bible study in the New Testament. You can even follow along with the notes to this message at reallife.org, or you can even download this sermon for free, as it's called the Power of Grace. And tell us a little more about today's message is Pastor Sean Azaro?
2: What we do matters. What we become matters even more. This week we're continuing the series we started last week called Under Construction. We're walking through the book of Philippians. And last week we learned a really important principle. It was very simply, peace is our destination. Grace is how we get there. So we're going to unpack that a little more this week. Let's get ready to hear what God's going to say to us.
1: Put a marker in the book of Philippians and go into the next book, And let the study on grace continue, as this is Real Life Radio.
2: Colossians chapter 1, verses 27 through 29. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, listen, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now listen to what he goes on and says. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor. Listen to this, struggling with all his energy, which so pro- powerfully works in me. I labor, but in his energy, because the mystery of this whole thing is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, some people would say, well, Paul's just making a big blanket statement. Don't take that too literally you would be wrong. That is an overwhelming message of Scripture. God's Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, resident in us. And Paul is a lot of things. Careless with words is not one of them. This, I believe, is the secret to victorious living. What did Paul say in Philippians? We read it. Verse 11. I told you we'd come back to it. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. God is doing a work in us and it is Christ's presence in us that will carry that work out. This is the secret to victorious living, folks. I'm telling you, we got so many believers walking through in churches today who just are getting beat up and going, why am I struggling with the same temptation, with the same, with the same problem, the same hang-ups, the same failures that I was struggling with five years ago, ten years ago? Why is it? It's because you're struggling with them. God has a whole different way. Grace is God doing what only He can do rather than me doing what I can do. Listen to what Paul said later on in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Now you notice that doesn't say lived. Paul is writing well after the death of Jesus. In Christ. All the fullness of the deity lives, not lived, in bodily form. How is that possible? You have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Remember, the mystery is Christ in you, our hope of glory. Do you know what this means? This means it's not all up to me. It is not all up to me. I am not about, okay, I've got to get better. I've got to pull myself up by the bootstraps. I've got to be more of God, what God wants me to be. I've got to earn God's favor. I've got to earn God's love. It's not like that. In fact, it's not like that at all. He says, I am going to fill you with my spirit, which is the very spirit and presence of Jesus in you. And I want you to let Jesus do this work. He who began a good work will carry it on to completion. In Christ Jesus, Paul is confident. It's not all up to you. It's not all up to what you can or can't do. You can stop beating yourself up saying, oh, I'm not disciplined enough. Oh, I'm not this enough. Oh, I'm not that enough. That's barking up the wrong tree. What it is about is finding fellowship in Christ and then simply walking with him. Listen for his voice. Do what he says. And it takes all of this, all of this stuff that we sometimes beat ourselves up with, this legalism that we pick up, and it puts it aside. And do you know what that means? By the way, this is just a side note, just kind of a little bonus here for you. If Paul has promised that he who began a good work will carry it on to completion until Christ Jesus in me, okay? Okay? So I don't, it's not all about what I can do. I don't have to do it all in my own strength. I have him. Do you know what that also means? He's going to, he who began a good work in my wife, Lori, is going to carry it on to completion in Christ Jesus. I don't have to try to change or fix her. Now, those of you who know us go, dude, really, (laughs) kind of got a whole other way around thing working here. Okay, I know, I get it. Okay, Uh, fine. But let's say hypothetically, she was really messed up. <laughs> the point is, the stuff that I know my wife struggles with, the stuff that she fights with, the stuff that, that God's trying to do, I don't have to control her. I don't have to manipulate her. I don't have to try to worry and, and, and fix her. I don't have to fix anybody. My, my kids, yes, yes, of course, we have to train and raise and discipline our children in love and love and raise them, of course. But those things that I see, that I'm like, oh, my gosh, no matter what we do, that seems like it's part of their sin nature. Oh, what, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to my son? What's going to happen to my daughter? Oh, no, what are we going to do? I don't have to fix them. Because Paul is confident. He who began a good work in them is going to carry it on to completion in Christ Jesus. My co-workers. And in the back of the room, there are some folks, whoo this is good. Preach that, Sean. Mm, the st- church staff having church now. Mmm. My co-workers, I don't need to fix them. If there's stuff in their life that God wants to bring about, that doesn't mean I'm not a caring friend. That doesn't mean I don't give input and share. I just don't have to control. I don't have to judge. I don't have to push them into some mold because, like Paul, I'm confident that he who began a good work is going to carry it on to completion in Christ Jesus. That's good news. It's not all about my effort. This is... Peace is our destination, but grace is how we get there. Second thing I want to point out, uh, the hardest thing about grace is accepting that it's not hard. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> the hardest thing about grace is accepting that it's not hard. There is danger in self-effort. There really is. And, and I, know, I know this is stretching some folks. It's stretching me, okay? But understand, we got to deal with it. There is danger in self-effort. And when it's about self-effort, I can find myself pretending and posturing, becoming a hypocrite. When it's about self-effort, I can get caught up in legalism, which is when I build a system that I can actually manage and I can do better than others. That's what legal, all legalism is. I make up some extra rules that I can control and manage so that I'm better than everybody else, and everybody else who doesn't live up to my rules is just not good enough like me. It happens all the time. It's like we get to determine, legalism is I get to determine the scorecard. It's a new scorecard. You know, the games I can win, I play. You know, if I determine I'm going to win a basketball game, then we're going to keep score. No, it matters. If I think you're going to, you know, beat me, well, then let's just play for fun. No score. Let's play grace game. If you're going to win, well grace game. But if I can win, law game. (laughs) Like you've never done it with your kids. Keep score until they get to a certain age. Oh, let's just play for fun. (laughs) The spirit of legalism is making the rules so that I can win all the time. The people who make up the legalism tend to follow those kind of rules real well. There's other ones that they totally miss. Another danger of self-effort is I limit God to what I can do. God has to always work within what I can accomplish. Why is this so attractive to us, this self-sufficiency, self-effort? What is it about it? I think a couple things, a couple phrases come to mind. Control is one. I can't control what he's doing. And we like control. One of the hardest parts of the walk of faith is that following Jesus and doing things his way is a way I can't control. I don't know necessarily where we're going to be going. I don't know what the outcome is going to be. Rick Warren described it in one of his books as it's like you're riding a wave. And when you ride a wave on a surfboard, it's amazing. You're going faster than you could ever go. It's exciting. It's, it's, it's supernatural. It's incredible, but you can't control it. You don't control when it starts. You don't control when it stops. All you can, all, the most you can do is try to learn how to discern the wave. Now, of course, when you're Paddling the surfboard on your own, I can control it. I can control the pace. I can control where I go. But who wants to spend their life paddling a surfboard? The point is to ride the wave. But I lose control. And that makes some of us very uncomfortable. We like to control. Another word that comes to mind as to why this would be attractive is credit. I I can't take credit for it. If it's Christ's work in me, this work of grace is Christ's work in me, I don't get to take credit for it. I don't get to say I'm better than everybody else. I don't get to say I'm better than you because I like my made-up rules that I made. I'm better at my made-up rules than you're at my, at my made-up rules. So I don't, get to, I, I don't get to take credit for it. Grace, all the credit goes to Jesus. It goes to Father. There's something in us that wants those things. And now I'm going to ask for the umbrella of, of mercy or of grace. And this is what we do in meetings when we're, someone's going to come up with like a crazy idea. And so you can't shoot me when I have this up, okay? So I just want you to know that. I'm safe now. No, no, put your, put your weapon down, sir. You can't do anything to me. I want to suggest to you this, this grace life, this Christ working in and through me in ways that I could never do is not just about my spiritual life or even my family life or my church life. It's not just for Sean and the elders... When it comes to ministry or property or facilities or whatever, it's not just for us. I, I think and I want you to I want you to, to think about this. I believe it's for every one of us. Like when it comes to our jobs and our checkbooks. And our stuff, our cars, our houses, the stuff we handle. I believe Jesus wants to teach us about the fallacy and the weakness of self-effort, even when it comes to the everyday stuff of our life.
1: You're listening to Real Life Radio, a service of River City Community Church. As we take a short break in this message called The Power of Grace. If you have to run right now, you don't have to miss the end. You can download this full message for free at their website, reallife.org. You can also see all the events and ministries and ways to serve in this great city of San Antonio, at River City
2: Community Church. Again, that website, reallife.org. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more, almost as though something is missing? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel they're settling for a whole lot less than real life. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better, we call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us on this journey to discover the life we were made for. We're located one half mile inside of 1604 on Redland Road and Jones-Maltzberger. Sundays we meet at 8, 9.30, and 11.15 a.m. River City New Braunfels meets at the McKenna Event Center on San Antonio Street at 10:30 a.m. Together, we enjoy great music, practical teaching, and ministries for all the kids. For more information, check us out on the web at reallife.org. We look forward to seeing you on the road to real life.
1: Welcome back, and we return to hear the conclusion of this message called "The Power of Grace" in the series under construction, where Sean is about to make the point of God's provision for us, even when it comes to taxes. And this is Real Life Radio.
2: Matthew 17, beginning at verse 24. After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax, this is from the temple, they came to Peter and they asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? And they were looking at, there there was an attitude in that, okay? You need to hear the attitude. It wasn't like, oh, we're here to collect your tax. Doesn't your teacher? They didn't like Jesus. And these are the religious leaders. They made the rules. And they controlled the rules. And they went to Peter and start putting Jesus down and himself. Oh, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Verse 25. Yes, he does, he replied. You can see Peter getting all, you know. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. Obviously, Jesus had overheard this. He said, what do you think, Simon? He asked. From whom do the kings of earth collect duty and taxes? From their own sons or from others? Well, from others, Peter answered. Then the sons are exempt, Jesus said to him. Jesus was saying this particular temple tax was unjust. For the sons of God, this wasn't something that they should be collecting. That was was the point. Verse 27, but, listen to Jesus, so that we may not offend them, go to the lake, throw out your line, take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you'll find a four drachma coin. Take it, give it to them for my tax and yours. Couldn't you just pull out your wallet, Jesus? Seriously? I mean, you know, really? Does it always got to be weird? I mean, always? I mean, seriously, you have to think. Remember, by the way, this is, Peter's a fisherman. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Peter is a fisherman, so this is like, he's caught lots of fish in his life. Never once was there a coin in their mouth. And it's like Jesus is trying to say, Peter, even in the area of taxes and money and stuff, I'm going to provide for you. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to worry. And even on a tax that we probably shouldn't have to pay, so what? It's just money. I'm going to provide. And in the most unusual way, so Peter, Peter could never go and brag, well, you know, I worked very hard and here's our tax. I got it out of a fish's mouth. He should have stuck with the first story. That, was, that... I mean, really, you, you have to think about that. I think what Jesus is saying is there's nothing, there is no secular space when it comes to us because we are filled with the Spirit of Christ. I think what he's saying is Jesus wants you to do your job in the power of his Spirit, in that energy that Paul described that comes from him. Jesus doing your job. Can Jesus be better at your, your job than you? And some of you are going, hey, my job's unethical. Jesus wouldn't even do my job. I'm just wanting to say to you, if you start letting Jesus work, he's he going to get you a new job. Can G, does Jesus know more about your industry than you? Can Jesus lead you to where there's better fruit? I'm not necessarily saying more money. Sometimes that better fruit may lead to more money. Fine. I think Jesus wants to bless you how much or how little money you got. That, that's irrelevant. It'll lead to better fruit, better produce for your family, for your life, for your future. Let Jesus work through you. The hardest part about grace is accepting that it's not hard. It's not about what I can do, it's about letting Jesus live through me everywhere. Grace is Christ working in me. Peace is our destination, folks. Grace is is how we get there. And last, let me wrap with this. Grace assures us that nothing is impossible. Grace assures us that nothing is impossible. If Christ is working in me, it's okay to say I can't, but Christ can. That's grace. Grace assures us that nothing is impossible because if He's the one working in me, then anything's possible. In John 11, we're told that Jesus had a friend named Lazarus who got very sick. And in verse 3... We're told, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, he said, the sickness, this sickness will not end in death. Listen, no, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. And verse five tells us Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And listen, yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there where he was two more days. Sisters called, he, he loves them. He waits two days. Don't you hate when God does that? And you need to know he did it to his best friends. God, Jesus was working on a whole different level. Two days. After two days, verse 7 says, then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Well, we're told that Lazarus dies. And when he, verse 17 is when he arrives. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already, already been in the tomb for four days. He's greeted by Lazarus. I mean, he's greeted by Lazarus' sister, Martha. Martha's always the one taking care of business. You've got to love Martha. And this is what she says. Lord, Martha said to him, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And if the statement stopped there, Martha would be pretty normal. But she's not. This is one. This is is a special lady. Verse 22, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Now listen to Jesus' response. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha's like a pit bull, though. She's not going to be shaken. Martha answered, well, I know he'll rise in the resurrection at that last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you're the Christ, the son of God who's coming to the world. Well, the passage tells us she goes to get her sister Mary and they come back. And some of them stand around and said, well, couldn't he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? And we read that Jesus, once more deeply moved, He had earlier in the passage, it says he wept. He was deeply moved because he cared for them so much. It's a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. He says, take away the stone, he said. "Uh, But Lord, Martha, the sister of the dead man, said, "Uh, by this time there's a bad odor. He's been in there four days. Martha, always the practical one. But a minute ago she's saying, but yet God will do whatever you say. In Martha, we see this incredible tug of war that happens between this life of faith and common sense. And we just need to know that tension is going to exist. One minute she's saying, Jesus, God will give you whatever you ask for. Next minute, when he's going to do something, he says, roll away the stone. Uh, Jesus, hello, four days. I mean, she said, he's been dead four days. It's going to smell. And then Jesus looks at her and he, I mean, they just had the earlier conversation. He said, did I not tell you if you believed you would see the glory of God? Took away the stone. Jesus prays, father, I thank you. You've heard me. I know you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. That they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, he called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Verse 44, the dead man came out. That's a pretty noteworthy phrase, wouldn't you say? The dead man came out. The dead guy. The four-day dead guy. Came out. We sometimes read these passages and we kind of gloss over them. He walks out. He's still wrapped with the stuff. He's having a hard time walking. Jesus said to them, take off the grave and let him go. The dead man came out. You know what that means? It ain't over till he says it's over. Ever. Grace means anything's impossible scripture says with god nothing is impossible his power is what it's all about and paul says that in second corinthians 12 9 but he said to me paul talking about the lord says he said to me my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness and then listen he goes on he says therefore i'll boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me yes i'm weak Yes, I struggle with discipline. Yes, I've got this flesh nature that I have to fight with. But His grace is sufficient. I'm not going to give the day to my flesh. I'm not going to give the day to a lack of discipline. I'm not going to give the day to that because Christ's Spirit rests in me. I'm going to let Him work in me. I'm going to let Him walk through me. And it's a whole different focus, folks, than saying, Okay, I'm going to be good for Jesus. No, no. I'm going to be available to Jesus. I'm going to let Jesus be good in me. I'm going to let peace be my destination. And let grace be how I get there. Can you imagine if we walked in grace, in the power of Christ? Can you imagine what that would mean for us? The heartache, the... The suffering the the casualties in the context of the church that wouldn 't happen because we would release the power of Christ in us, can you imagine how that would affect this living in grace yeah the i can 't take credit for it true it 's him it 's grace you can 't take credit for grace, but can you imagine how that would affect God growing us that Work that Paul says he will bring to completion. Can you imagine how it, how it would affect the way we treat one another? Think about that. How we treat one another if we understood it, it's Christ working in me. Man, looking down on other people becomes real hard when you understand grace. Change things. What if our response became naturally grace and peace? Temptation comes up, anger, unforgiveness, grace and peace. Conflict, Grace and peace. Imagine what the church would be like if we walked in the power of Christ in us, in his energy, like Paul said, and we learned to live the life of grace and peace.
1: You've been listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, located at the corner of Jones-Maltzberger and Redland Road, just inside Loop 1604, with Sunday morning service times of 8, 9.30, and 11.15. There's also campus in New Braunfels. All the details and directions are at the website, reallife.org. And if you need to call the church, their number is 490-5262.
2: And with the closing
1: word on today's message, here's Pastor Sean.
2: You know, I sometimes wonder if we understand how big grace is. It's not just about my salvation, although if that's all it were, I'd have reason to celebrate forever. But it's even more, it's about living differently. It's about God's power working in me. I don't have to do it all on my own. God intended this to be a relational journey. And His end of it is this incredible gift of grace. I hope you will reconsider some of the areas where maybe you've tried hard and you just feel like, I can't do it. Let those be areas where, like Paul, we say, I'm going to boast in my weakness so that Christ's power can work through me. Don't give up. Just give it over to Him and see what He can do when we surrender those areas of our lives. I hope you have a great week, and may it be a week full of grace and peace. Real Life
1: Radio is a service of River City Community Church as we'll continue this series called Under Construction with a message called Perspectives on Adversity. And we hope you join us next week for more Real Life.